Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thriefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckert. It is the all-star break, and so we don't have the normal things that we have to talk about. So we decided to mix it up a little bit this week and do kind of a open it up for the audience the listeners to ask questions. Um, so we've got kind of a question and answer kind of thing tonight. But before we get to that, Dave, how are you? I mean, how, we could talk about All-Star break? Weekend. We could talk about that slam dunk contest. I mean, I from I, is it worth talking about? Why was Darth Vader angry at the slam dunk contest? Because Obi-Wan? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dad jokes. I don't even know Star Wars, and I I picked up on that one. Yeah, see, there you go. So, I, well, you know why? Because when he came into the league and he picked the number one, I wondered if that's why he picked it. I was like, oh, is it because he's Obi One? Yeah, is that like the there joke there? And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, uh, it was uh, you know uh, the All Star Game. How many one hundred and sixty point a piece games can you see? At least it's better than one eighty a piece. But you know this whole thing about like three quarters of unbridled scoring, and then the fourth quarter is they play hard, just exposes the rest of it. It's like wrestling, where it's like you have three matches that are totally fakey, and you go, "Oh no, this one take for real," you know. And it's like, no, the whole thing's fake. It's like, sorry, wrestling people, the whole thing's predetermined. Uh, you know, it's I don't I don't understand exactly what we're doing in this era. And I know comfortably people in Jordan's era and Clyde's era and Magic and Bird's era could have scored 180 points a game or 200 points a game too had they wanted to, but they actually played at least a little bit. It was a joke back then, you know, that they played no defense in the All-Star game. What would they think of this? So, like, I have a hard time processing that. Three-point shootout is always fun. Slam dunk contest 
people forget because they remember the good ones, but there are a lot of really awful ones amid the good ones. It's just the whole thing is, you know, it, it, maybe I'm getting old. Maybe I'm not a kid anymore. I don't know what it is, but it seems like a, a caricature of what it once was. I don't have a lot to say about this. What I will say is it's something I usually really enjoy. Uh, it's There's no stress for me. But the one thing, well, not the one thing. I have several things to say. First of all, I personally think that the All-Star game should be played that way. It should be a heck of a lot of show-off offense and not much defense because frankly we don't want them getting hurt when in a situation like this where it's basically just you know a a show they're putting on a show i tend to like an offense heavy because really people want to see them scoring they want to see you know steph curry threes they want to see dunks they want to see that's what they want to see I don't want to see them putting themselves in situations where they're going to get hurt. It's an exhibition game. It should just be for fun. I well, always why, don't, the- why don't you do like a hockey shootout then? Like, you know, the penalty shot, uh, not penalty shots, but the end of the game uh, when it's tied and they just make runs at goal and uh, shoot. Why not just do that then and stop pretending? You, yeah. I don't think they're pretending they're playing an exhibition style game. And this is, you know, some of these things are traditions. You do it because we've been doing it for the last 50 years or however long they've had an all-star game. So you just do it. And and I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with it. I, I like, I like it. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. I like it. I like the three point contest. That's always something I look forward to. Obviously Dame not being in it this year was a bummer, but CJ being in it was kind of cool, even though it's tough to watch him in a Pelicans jersey. That's always cool. The dunk contest for me, I think especially with the dunk contest, it really lives or dies by the selection of players. I think if you pick, I mean, can you imagine putting Greg Brown in that dunk contest? Now, I know he doesn't have the celebrity that some of the other players have, but I wish that in these competitions, they would really, truly try to find the guys that would be the most entertaining rather than just the biggest name. Who had celebrity in that group, though? Well, I mean, yeah, Obi Toppin, sure. that's celebrity now. I mean, that's like C list in terms of. No, but and I don't want know. to diminish him as a player. I, I, I don't mean he's a C level player. He was. I but, mean, but he's not a celebrity. People know who he is. He was an early draft pick versus Greg but, Brown. But that's the don't point really... then. I mean, if you're not going to get the superstars, the super superstars, then just go with people that people will get to know through the dunk contest. That's my point. That's what I'm saying. I wish that they'd do better selection. I wish that they'd pick people that were going to be entertaining dunkers versus trying to find... Because I think probably what they do is they start at the top of a list and they work their way down until the people say yes. And so if, you know, if they're getting turned down by people and they're working their way down the list and they're getting guys that aren't as recognizable. But I wish that instead of doing that, they just find the most entertaining dunkers. I also would really and and I somebody's going to clock me over the head after I say this. I would really like to see more opportunities for some of these G League guys. You've got guys like Mac McClung, who is. For those of you who aren't familiar with him, he plays for the Lakers G League team. That man can fly. And if you go look uh, like at his social media or anything like that, he I'm pretty sure he's gone viral a few times before he was ever in the league for this. But uh, you get somebody like that in the dunk competition, like do even if you separate it, even if you do a G League competition with a few different things, I think that would be such a cool opportunity to bring some attention to 
you know, something like that. I, I just, you know, I'm a big advocate for that league. I love it. I want to see more of it. So maybe there's my bias playing in there, but I just think you, there's so much entertainment to be had from something like that, that it's kind of a shame they don't do it. Well, I absolutely agree. And I don't think they should separate it. I think they should throw them into the skills contests. And by the way, then if the NBA gets beat out by G League players, then maybe uh, some of those NBA players will step up to defend the honor of their position. I'm not talking yeah. about the superstars. I don't think they care one way or another. But you know what? If I'm a late first round pick and I'm not even in the contest and a G League guy wins it, I'm going to go, you know, that's my spot. The other thing, you probably didn't read my article about it, that, but that I suggested about the slam dunk contest is that, I mean, with your suggestion, they could widen it to more players, including G League players, but that they have a couple rounds and the first round, there are mandatory dunks. And I don't mean style, but I mean, or, you know, like you'd, I'm not talking about like Tomahawk. I'm literally talking about like a top chef kind of thing where they determine well before the contest, here are the two first round dunks. And one is the word for the day is height. And the other, the word for the day is funky or whatever. So you know how Top Chef or those cooking shows, like they don't just say, cook whatever you want. And then someone brings a very tiny appetizer and the other person brings steak and lobster and they judge them against each other. They give them a direction for the talent and allow them to prepare. Well, then the ones who do best with those kind of focus dunks then get to get real creative in the final. I mean, and they also need to eliminate, uh, I think you have one dunk where you yeah. can bring out another person, uh, screw the costume changes. Uh, like yeah. it's not that it's not that entertaining. It's not that whatever. If you can do it within twenty seconds, but you know what? You have a well, one minute limit to get your dunk up. And if and you if you uh, want to change costumes and you can do that within one minute and still dunk, good on you. But if you take more than a minute, your dunk's over. And don't miss. That to me, like the most important part of the dunk competition, and I know I'm not a judge and I know this isn't how it works, but to me, the guy that makes it on his first try is going to get more points than the guy that takes three tries to make the show, to make the dunk. And I know that that's allowed. I know that they give them that, you know, that leeway. And I, I understand why that is, but I kind of wish they'd take it away. I think it would add an element of interest where you have to nail it on the first try. Well, and dunking is hard and warming up for dunking is hard. I get it. I mean, I couldn't, if I had to do, jump even half that high, I would have to stretch for an hour and I still couldn't do it. Right. So I get it not being able to come in cold, but I think you could get away with two. You know what? You have two attempts. Well, and can, and, I mean, and if you missed the if you miss the first one, though, you have to dunk the second one. And if you want to alter it and make it easier so you can do it, that's fine. But you don't get a third or fourth attempt. You just yeah, you get maybe. two attempts and then and then there you go. And you get scored on your best one if that's a zero because you blew both of them. Well, you took your shot. That's great. But I think like adding some focused competition in there, some some direction for it and some boundaries will bring people kind of in the same vicinity of each other so you can judge them fairly against each other instead of just sitting back and hoping that someone does something super spectacular which is literally the only reason to watch this thing right now and the reality is not everybody can do that there's not that much that hasn't been invented already it's all kind of variations on a theme until somebody comes out and pulls out something new but it's going to be a long time before that happens so there are a lot of dunk contests that you don't care about because nothing that spectacular is going to happen in it and spectacular you know that one spectacular dunk is pretty much the only reason that you watch it yeah it's definitely it definitely needs some adjusting in my opinion but 
overall, you know, it it's it sounds like it was a success. It's <laughs> this is one of the weird things for me. I hate using the term FOMO. I hate that. But I have that when it comes to situations like this. And it's the only reason is because of my photographer, the photographer in my brain. I watch this stuff happen. And I like watching the seven, the, t- the 75 top players or whatever, watching that many people in that room and watching them interacting with each other and things like that. I want to take those pictures so badly. It is so hard for me to sit at home and watch the pictures showing up or watch the, you know, things like that. Or like the all-star game, man, it would be fun to shoot an all-star game just for the fact it's funny because I regularly have people in my life, people that I work with and just friends who will send me these shots, like these photos and be like, this is such a cool photo. And the one that I've been getting all weekend is of Steph Curry after he shot a three-pointer and he immediately turned around to the crowd to watch their reaction as it went in. And there was a shot that somebody got that's spectacular. Now, I give major props to that photographer. They definitely took at just the right moment. But one of the guys that I work with sent that to me and I was like, well, yeah, if I could shoot Steph Curry, I could get shots like that too because Steph Curry does stuff like that. If you put me in front of a guy that's going to turn around and react to the crowd, then I'm going to be able to get a shot of him turning around and reacting to the crowd. But you have to have the opportunity to shoot that. And so I watch stuff like this happen and I'm watching these photos come out of it that are just killer photos. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, I can't wait until the day that I have the opportunity to take photos like that because I am not at all downplaying the skill of the photographers that it takes to shoot these because it absolutely takes skill. But I am saying that, and maybe this is, maybe this, I don't say a lot of things that give myself credit, quite frankly, but I'm a good photographer. I'm good at what I do. And being put in a situation like that, I know that I could get really good photos. And so I'm watching these photos come out of All-Star Weekend and I'm just about dying. So next year, next year, Dave, my goal is to somehow sneak my way in there with my camera. Sure. We'll see if it works. (laughs) Well, well, you've come such a long way already that uh, I don't believe that's past you. Well, we've got a lot of questions. We, you know, we posted on, I posted on Instagram and then we also posted on Twitter um, and just kind of gave people an opportunity to ask questions about, you know, what's, what's going, anything. We didn't give any kind of guidance, just, Hey, we're going to do a, a, a show tonight. What do you want to know? So I've got questions. I have not gone through these very carefully ahead of time. Dave hasn't heard them at all. So you are really getting just our first impression of these questions. So I'm going to start just real simple. Okay. So this is from AJ Win TXR. They asked, is Dame coming back this season? I'm going to go ahead and say that that's probably a pretty safe no. I would guess that Dame is not coming back this season. Now, the Blazers are making a little bit of a run here. I don't anticipate it continuing long enough that we're going to look at actually winning a championship. However, knowing a little bit about how Damian Lillard seems to be wired, if they somehow make it into the playoffs, I think Dame would have a real hard time sitting out of the playoffs and it wouldn't surprise me to see him come back and step into that role in the playoffs if they make it there. But there's a whole lot of ifs from here to then. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think that with 23 games remaining, and this is what people don't realize, season's short now. I mean, I, I get it. It's 
February, well, we're, we're halfway through February, almost more than halfway. You got March and half of April, and the season's done. So you got two months, about 23 games, 24, I forget, I haven't counted. That's not a, a ton of time, and it's certainly not enough time to overtake the conference leaders, and it's not enough time to sink into the super bottom of the conference and get the best chances at lottery picks, although they've smoothed that out now. So... The Blazers are kind of are where they are, and it looks like they're going to be dancing with the play-in tournament, uh, either in or out or on the border, for the rest of their run, and we'll see what happens there. I agree with you that if they make it into the play-in tournament and then somehow make it to the eighth seed, at that point, I think Lillard would seriously have to consider coming back because that's a playoff run. But... A, I don't see that happening, and B, Oive, uh, there's so many variables in that of whether yeah. it's good, bad, or indifferent, and a lot of them depend on Dame. So I think it's safer to say he shouldn't come back. All common sense and logic say don't come back. Dame himself is the only person who can override that. And by the way, the team probably quietly would not encourage him to come back because we all know why in terms of lottery picks and stuff. So I think the only variable is his own personal desire. But the caveat is that desire trumps everything. So if he wants to, he will, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, I agree. This is uh, kind of an interesting Second question to that. This comes from Jason, aka Blazerfan72. He says, How tired are you and Dave of Dame wanting out or will want out stories? I know I was two years ago or longer. There's a couple narratives right now around the, the Blazers that I just I'm so tired of to the point that when it comes up, there's been a couple comments and things on Twitter where I've just said, please leave me out of this. Like, I just don't want to have this conversation anymore. And this specifically is one of those. It's like the man gets asked this every time he speaks with the media and every single time he says the same thing. And I'm just so dang tired of it. Do I think that Damian Lillard will never ask out of Portland? I don't know. I don't think it's out of the question. I think something could happen where, you know, down the road, that is a possibility. Do I think that we're going to find out because some media member says, hey, Dame, you staying in Portland? And Dame says, actually, nope, I'm asking out tomorrow. Thanks for bringing it up. It, you no, know, that's not how it's going to work. So I'm so tired of hearing the media bring this up. Uh, I think Dame is the kind of person who's going to tell us in his own time, if it comes to that. And until then, frankly, just want to enjoy the fact that he seems to be loyal to Portland and not worry about it. I'm not tired of it because you can't get tired of it. It's a live issue and it's going to continue to be a live issue. And it's the most important single factor that this team is going to deal with over the next six months. So there you go. It's not going away. We generate some of that ourselves. I mean, I, I've said it before and I've said it uh, in you know, large venues and small, that Dame is probably telling the truth. I, I believe, I have no reason to disbelieve Dame right now when he says right now he's not thinking of leaving. But there is zero chance if he's anything but a robot <laughs> that this issue is not going to come to his mind, his agent's mind, the mind of everybody around the NBA, Joe Cronin's mind, Jody Allen's mind. It's there. It's not going away. It almost doesn't matter if he signs an extension either. Not going away. I mean, you you better, whether you're yeah. tired of it or not, better get used to it because but 
There you go. But there's also there's also the sense in which like why do we keep asking? Like it is at the point where it's annoying. Like why are we still? And I think to me it goes back to what I kind of was explaining. Like if Dane decides to ask out. A reporter is not going to find out by asking that question. They're going to ask him this question over and over and over and over, and they're going to continue to get this the same response or a non-response. They're not going to get anything from asking this question. So to me, if you're a reporter and you have the opportunity to ask Dame a question, get a little more creative. Find something new. This one's been done. Let's move on. It's getting to the point where I'm just really over the narrative of it. Okay. I don't necessarily disagree with that in terms of how often you can ask the question. In fact, I think part of why Dame is being emphatic about this, again, not that he's speaking an untruth in any way, but I'm saying that he's been very bold in declaring all of this and codifying it in terms of for now and whatever, putting tight boundaries around it and not over-speaking or under-speaking, because he remembers, I'm sure, what happened to LaMarcus Aldridge in 2014-2015, when Aldridge's free agency was impending, and the most of the year, or half of the year, was just co-opted by this question, until Aldridge finally shut it off by getting some advice from somewhere, you know, debatable where, uh, we're still arguing about that, where he should just say he wants to be a trailblazer for life, and then that would stop the questions. It did, but it turned it out turned out to be untrue, and that made it worse. So I think Dame has seen how this can go wrong, and he's trying his best to make it go right without shutting off reality or his options. And kudos, I think he's spoken on that enough. Stop asking him that. Yeah. That said, yeah. that's not going to stop anybody else from talking about it, and you have to talk about it because which way this team builds, who they draft, what they trade for, how much salary cap space is available, what future assets are there, all depend on this question. And you cannot come up with a reasonable plan for the future with having some idea what's going to happen, or at least accounting for the two different possibilities. But in reference to this question, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I can only imagine, if I feel this way, how exhausted Damian Lillard must be of this question. Like, like at this point, do you just walk out, sit down, and be like, guys, I'm sticking around. Let's skip that question. Like, it's just... Damian Lillard and I used to think about like leaving the Blazers just occasionally, and now I, I've entered a, I've entered a uh, program so that I never think about it anymore. The Goodness end. gracious. It's, yeah. it's a lot. Okay. Best guess. This comes from Dane. I, it's I screenshot these, so now I can't see their little handle. But his it's Dane Persona Three Portable. I don't. All right, Persona. Yay, Dane. Have you tried <laughs> Persona Five? I actually kind of like it on the modern systems. You know, I don't know. I'm a sucker for that kind of game. So yay, Dane. Is this we have video something game talk. It, it is video game talk. Ah. Okay. It is fantastic video game talk. The last the video game I played was Donkey Kong in like fifth grade or something like that. So. Oh, Dia, we've got to expose you I don't to do, more. No, oh. nope. I, okay. I draw a hard sushi. line. Okay. You come to Boise, sushi and video games at my place. I, I will try sushi. I refuse video games. There's oh, nothing. You bring your you children. Do. You bring your children no. to see Uncle My, my Uncle children Dave. are not, my children are not allowed to play video games. Really? Yeah, my children are not allowed it. to do anything but. What are you doing? <laughs> Studying? What's the matter with you? <laughs> there are yeah, video no, games not. to be played. Yours are also teenagers. Okay, Mine are yes. still little. I was playing Skylanders with Derek when he was like eight, though. 
Yeah. It's it's a fun yeah. game. It's one of those toys to life things where you have the little toy. It's a little figurine, like a collectible, but you put it on the thing and it's in the video yeah. game and you can play with it and they all have different powers. And it's really cool. And I think you should bring your children here and have sushi and let <laughs> me expose them to the evils of nope. video nope. games. No video games for them. There's, you know, they live in a world that is surrounded by technology mm-hmm. and screens and I'm not somebody that says no screens, but I there are certain areas where I can limit. It's like pop. My kids have had juice. They've had juice since they were fairly young, but they have yet to taste pop at this point in life. They and need to come to Camp Dave. No, because there are not, there are so few things that I have control over, and there's so many things like they eat so many things that are unhealthy that like that's the one thing I've managed to avoid, and I feel that way with video games. That's like the one thing I've managed to avoid. Okay, I used to be much more concerned about this, but my children just went through a divorce, and this is like just ending year one, and this year it's been like you know what. What you need, you get. You know what? You want a root beer? Yeah. Here's a root beer. Feel good about yourself. Yeah. But uh, yeah. have I told you Derek's pop story? Derek's first pop? My 14 year old. My 14 year old was like, I, I don't know. He was maybe a little over one, maybe a little under. But I was drinking a code red Mountain Dew, which is, you know, right. very sweet, not the greatest pop for you, whatever. And he was like looking at me. So I like, handed him and helped him drink a little sip and his eyes dilated like it was just like the size of his head practically (laughs) and he was like grabbing for that and he's just loved pop ever since i mean we're reasonable about it too but like a a relate a lifetime relationship was born in that first baby sip of mountain dew he just loved it incredibly yeah i feel like if i keep him away from it long enough maybe they won't like it and it won't become an addiction you just keep thinking that yeah well i mean maybe i've gone the opposite way it's like have it if you want it and they're like okay well sometimes we need it but often not we'll see Anyway, this own. isn't the parenting podcast, own. I suppose. It's a basketball <laughs> podcast. So, Anyway, now that we've gotten past the video game username, <laughs> um, <laughs> the question is, best guesses at what the plan is for the offseason and next year? We got a couple questions that, that kind of asked that. Do you want to take this? I mean, this is like, okay, you know in algebra how they say X plus two equals four and you figure out as... Dia drinks a what? What are you drinking there, Dia? What? I just saw you the, take a drink. The one diet Pepsi I've had. Wow, well, pop way back. Dia, Dia Miller. I'm 36. Deandra. I'm 36. I'm allowed. Okay, you have like a three-year-old and a six-year-old, and together that's three and six, 36. There you go. Let I don't you have put a three-year-old. Into- I have a five-year-old and a six-year-old. Okay, and a so nine-year-old. 56. That's even. That's time, Dia. Okay, Dia's like pop. It's it's the worst evil in the world. Okay, go ahead, talk, Dave. Chug, chug, chug. Anyway, <laughs> so I, look, I look. I want them to do better than I do. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Okay, let's get back I, to the question. <laughs> Sorry, folks. So anyway, you know in algebra where they say x plus 2 equals 4 and you can figure out pretty easily the answer is 2 because there's one variable, right? And now you get to two variables and you have to like have a couple of equations and cross compare them and substitute and all that stuff. And that's harder, but you can do it. But when you start getting three or four variables, you need like a PhD in advanced math and all kinds of stuff to figure this stuff out, right? <laughs> the, the, the Blazers variables. Is, is Damien Lillard staying? 
Are they re-signing Anthony Simons? Are they re-signing Yusuf Nurkic? And by the way, that would be matching Anthony Simons' salary and and negotiating with Nurkic for a fair, unrestricted free agent contract. Are they even going to get draft picks? And it's not guaranteed right now that they will get either. They could they could have no first round draft picks. They could have one lottery pick, or they could have two lottery picks. And those lottery picks could be anything from number one to number thirteen and fourteen. So I mean. That's that's a whole set of variables right there in the draft, right? And then can they attract any free agents? And what's their salary cap going to look like based on these signings and what have you? This is unsolvable. So I think you got to break it down to begin with. And the major two questions, what are those draft picks going to be? And what are the plans for Lillard? And if you know those two things, when you know those two things, you know the plan. And it's pretty obvious with the draft picks, you draft the best players available the question is, are you going to get a chance to? And it's pretty obvious with Lillard, if he's staying, you use everything possible to get forwards on this team, maybe a backup center, but you're looking at front court players, end of story, there you go. If he's not staying, assuming you're getting mostly future assets for him, which would be the smart move, then you're asking how many really, really good players can you get, either through those draft picks, maybe a young player in trade, and and certainly with your own draft picks. But for instance, this is what I mean. If the best player available at your draft pick is another guard and Lillard's staying, if there's a comparable forward who's close, maybe you think about that. But if Lillard's not staying, get that guard. There's no doubt about it. Same with how much you want to pay Nurkic and why. Uh, You could pay him in order to trade him, obviously, but if he has a huge contract demand and won't budge off it, and Damian Lillard is staying, you probably think about paying that contract because you need him. But if Lillard's not going to stay, then you're not going to pay a mint to Nurkic without the possibility of being able to trade out of that contract later. So this is what I mean. You got to answer a few questions before we know the plan. All we have now are a lot of options. And I think Dia just froze on us. That's okay. I think she's going to be back. Either that or my answer just absolutely stunned her uh, into insensibility. Oh, here she is back. Uh, I don't know how much of that you heard, but I think you probably heard to the end, right, Dia? Yeah, I, I think I heard enough to get the, the gist of it. I, you know, I think that you're right. And I think that the moves that they make going forward in the next little, you know, few months before the season starts are going to be really telling as to which direction um, the future of this team is going, at least as far as they're concerned. And that kind of goes into the next question that we have, actually. And before before we leave that, how crazy is it, by the way, that the Blazers literally don't know if they're going to have no draft picks or two really good ones? Yeah, that is a wild place. And especially because of the fact that, like, one of our trades kind of made the team that we need to be bad better. Like, we, we need the Pelicans to not do well. And then we sent CJ to him, and CJ's been freaking, like, on fire. Right. And so it, that's 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 an interesting one. And so far, ironies of ironies, it's it's made the Blazers better too. It's yeah, like literally yeah. the two things you probably didn't want to happen right. from a draft perspective happened. Right. Like yeah. as as many people say in the comments after wins and the game, you know, the game recap comments, can't even tank right. Like what's the matter with you? You had one job and you were already doing it. Just keep sucking and you can't even do that. Like, it's, I love it. Yeah, I know. I me too. It. It's funny. <laughs> I mean, you could tell it's tongue in cheek. You can hear the chagrin and the admiration blend together in a wonderful mix of bittersweet uh, chocolate cheesecake. 
So that does, like I said, it kind of brings us to the next question here. This one is from Julio Can 2. And he says, does dames fit with Ant allow for a dame renaissance of sorts? Not that he needs a renaissance, but what kind of unforeseen things might Ant open up for his running partner? So this whole conversation of Dame and Anthony Simons has been really interesting to me because Anthony Simons has basically taken over Dame's role literally to to the steps. I mean, if you, if you all are not following the Portland Trailblazers social media, they posted a video the other day. There's a split screen of Anthony Simons and Damian Lillard doing the same moves. And it's not a secret that Damian Lillard has been working with Anthony Simons. The fact that this is, I'm going off on a side tangent. I promise I'll get back to this question. But the fact that Anthony Simons has the capability to basically pick up whatever Dame is teaching him and just do it is so mind blowing to me. Like that above and beyond all of Anthony Simons skills and talents that is incredible. I don't think people realize fully, you know, there's been conversation around that, but the fact that he can do that, the fact that he can watch Dame and learn from Dame and then basically go out and be Dame is insane. That is an, a huge, huge skill that he has and, and something that he's, you know, really developed. Okay. So that being said, all of that being said, you know, so now there's this kind of interesting narrative of, of, okay, so Anthony Simons is stepping up and he's filling Dame's role. So what do we do with two of these guys doing essentially the same thing? And, and it's a, it's an interesting conversation, especially because we just got rid of CJ and Norm. We just got rid of the other two short guards, small guards, guys that were not more than six, four that were playing guard with Damian Lillard. We got rid of the guys that essentially are where you expect to see. Anthony Simons is not going to come off the bench. He's not going to be the sixth man. Anthony Simons is is working himself into a position where he's going to be a starter. I mean, he is right now, but even when Dane comes back, he's still going to hold that position, in my opinion. So I think this whole idea of, oh, well, Anthony Simons can be the backup point guard has passed. And now we are looking at Anthony Simons as the other half of Damian Lillard, like CJ McCollum has been for all these years. So here we are, right? Kind of back where we were, where we've got Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons instead of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Anthony Simons is still a little bit small. He's maybe a little, is he a little taller? I think he's maybe slightly taller, longer reach than CJ McCollum, but close, close. And still not a huge defender. So we're kind of looking again at the same quandary that we've been in. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think, I think in my opinion, you don't get rid of either of them. I think Anthony Simons is the future of this team. I think that as Dame leaves his prime and ends his career, Anthony Simons is coming up behind him and is going to flawlessly and seamlessly fill that role if he continues the way that he's going. But it definitely puts us in an interesting place in the meantime. Dave, what do you think? I mean, the big hope, if you're hoping for positive stuff, is that Ant turns out to be a better defender than either Dame or CJ, which I think the the case is open on that argument. Uh, It could happen. We haven't seen his full flower yet defensively. We'll see. Okay. But here's the thing. If there's a new wrinkle, it's going to be this, that Ant ends up playing on ball and Dame plays off ball. 
So you have Lillard McCollum, but now the part of C.J. McCollum is played by Damian Lillard. Yeah. Keep in mind, though, that McCollum was not a passive catch-and-shoot guy. He could do that, and he did do that sometimes, but he also caught and made moves and caught and uh, exhibited his creativity. I think Lillard will never be in a situation, at least not for the next half decade, where he's going to simply stand in a corner and receive shots. That's, that's ridiculous. But uh, I think that he could probably share the ball handling duties a bit more than he has and especially if he's bringing up ant behind him um you know but i think it's more likely long term that one of them gets dealt uh and it could be dame as we've talked about it could also be ant and by the way if they resign him there may be reasons to match a contract offer for anthony simons besides you plan to keep him for the next five years alongside Lillard. If you're really going to keep Lillard for five years, I think you still match that contract. And then a year from now or something, if it's not working, you have an asset to trade away. And by the way, a more powerful asset now for Ant being older and more experienced and with a proven track record. Uh, the, yeah. the, the disaster scenario, of course, is that you do fit the two together and then both are diminished. That didn't really happen with Dame and CJ. I don't think it will happen with Dame and Simons, but uh, Simons, of course, does not have the same experience or track record that McCollum had. So his success will be new enough that if you try that experiment, there's always a risk, but I think that's a risk that the Blazers take. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point that you make of of shifting and playing Dame off ball. We've been talking about that as an ongoing theme since the beginning of this podcast because we've been talking about the fact that Dame does that well. Uh, he just doesn't really have the opportunity to do it. So that is a really good point, and that would be interesting to see that to see that play out. Again, these com- these these questions are all just kind of molding into each other. Jennifer Meyer, J. M-E-Y-E-22 asks, assuming Dame and Ant make up the Blazer backcourt next year and Nasir comes back healthy, where do you see Josh Hart fitting in next season? First guy off the bench, or could he possibly start in front of Nas? Love his energy and quotations, Hart, H-A-R-T, which is fun. Lots of of fun, Mm -hmm. lots of fun uh, plays with his last name. Yes. For us word people. Yes, I'm sure they'll come up with the heart attack and all that stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's only a matter of time. Mm. Yeah, you know. Anyway, uh, so look, depending on your lineups, both Little and Hart are capable of playing power forward too, especially in today's NBA. So I think that's a possibility. It's probably a both and, by the way, that Hart could play with the second unit at a smaller position, but also start at power forward. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm saying that's not off the table. It's a possibility. Uh, yeah. And of course, it will depend on what the Blazers are playing for as well. I mean, again, if you have Damian Lillard there, then the rotation's a little tighter. You got to have people fit really well. You got to gear toward wins right away. Not as much room to experiment. If something isn't working, you got to give up on it sooner. And you better have a backup plan at Power Forward if you plan to start Josh Hart there and you really expect to make a run for playoff contention. But if Lillard is traded, Okay. Uh, Hart starts where he starts. You run the lineup you run, and you try to develop all the players, and you try to see who's going to fit where, and you have a lot less pressure to make it work right away. And in that case, I think a little more experimentation will be in order. I don't see the Blazers giving up on Nasir Little, though, given what he's shown. No. And I don't see them. I mean, Hart, we need... 
look, we need a couple more months with him. He needs to, or if yeah. he plays like he played in his first two games, forget about it. The dude's starting and has become a major, major player, but that hasn't even come close to happening yet. So probably having this conversation in two months will allow us to make a better answer. I'm a big fan of Josh Hart. Man, he he's quickly going to become a fan favorite, I think. His personality um, and just how his antics some things I think really makes him likable. He's been a nice surprise. I liked him before. I mean, I, I was somewhat familiar with him before and I liked him, but it was one of those things where it was kind of a surprise and it was like, oh, okay. And just very quickly, you know, you start to see the personality come out more than I, more than I do on, with guys on other teams because I don't follow them quite as closely, but it's really cool. You know, I feel like he's been a really good fit in that way here. And I, I really hope to see him continue with the team. I agree. They're not getting rid of Nas. They're not getting rid of Ant. I don't think they're getting rid of Dame. You know, hopefully they'll keep him and they'll kind of figure it out. I think some of this also, this goes back to what you said earlier, that it's so hard to know because there are so many moves left. Like we don't know what this roster is going to look like. We don't know who they're going to bring in that can complement these guys. And that's going to make a dramatic difference as well. But yeah, I think he's, I, he's exciting to me. Well, and let's let's clarify some of this getting rid of talk. The Blazers don't have enough players now. The only reason that you would, quote unquote, get rid of someone, well, there was obviously luxury tax issues. They've pretty much solved those. That was one big reason. But the, the only other reason would be to generate cap space to get someone else. And yeah. that's not happening. Like, <laughs> you're, you're not going to replace Josh Hart with a free agent that you're signing that's better than him right now, probably. Right. So I don't think they're going to be necessarily in getting rid of mode anymore. Yeah. That was a month ago, and now they're going to be in acquisition mode. This question comes from Kenny Field at four, the number four field. He says, loyalty will bury you. How can a GM seriously wow. reset this? Is he a divorce lawyer? What does he do? I don't know. How can a GM seriously reset this team around a 32-year-old point guard? I don't know that we are resetting this team around a 32-year-old point guard. I think we are keeping Damian Lillard as long as Damian Lillard wants to be in Portland, and I think they're moving forward regardless. I've said a couple times on this podcast, I think that we've shifted a little bit and where we were kind of in this win now, like immediately, like this season so that we can win in Dame's prime. It almost feels a little bit to me like we're shifting and it's like, we've got a couple years here to work with before Damian Lillard retires. We're going to attempt to do it within that time frame, but it may not be within his prime. Know that the team is really building, you know, in the sense that they were before, but I do think that Dame's going to come back and be just as good as he was. So this whole 32-year-old point guard narrative to me is a non-starter. I don't think it's an issue. I think Dame's going to come back and Dame's going to be Dame and he's going to be great and they're going to be able to build around him. As far as loyalty will bury you, I I am not the person to respond to that. Dave, you got thoughts? Well, I mean, echoing what you said, that's not a 32-year-old point guard. That's Damian Lillard. Yeah. And he's just like, Clyde Drexler was, and Bill Walton were unique. Dame is also somewhat unique. I could see that, but I do agree with the premise in that if you extend him for $100 million, you better be sure that he is Damian Lillard and will remain Damian Lillard either long enough for him to really help you or for you to be able to trade him for serious value. 
Because if that becomes an albatross and you make a decision today that three years from now just absolutely submarines your team exactly when it needs to rebuild. And by the way, Dame, it really is reaching the end of his career at that point. It cannot help you. There's no forecast where we're going to absorb this. And four years later, this contract is going to look good. If it's killing you at that point, you've made a serious, serious mistake. So I think they do have to take that into account when they make this decision. And I get it that you pay your franchise player and there are consequences for not doing that. But in this particular case, right where they are, there are also consequences for doing it and they have to weigh both and they cannot just go blindly. Well, you know what? We're going to be loyal to Dame forever and ever. Amen. And here's the hundred million dollars to prove it. The the best scenario that the best (laughs) scenario I will tell you I know you're not going to want to hear it at all. The best scenario is that they sign him to this extension and then they move him because everybody gets what they want. The Blazers get the Blazers get assets. Dame gets his extension and a chance to win a championship. The new team gets all the upside that's left in Dame, uh, and they have him secure for years and years. And then those questions become their questions and not your questions. Uh, I think that honestly, that's probably the sanest and most respectful move to be made here. So, I mean, we'll see what actually happens, but, uh, you know, I think ultimately that's a really good out that gives everybody something. Doesn't give me what I want. And for the record, for the record, according to Dame, what he wants is to win in Portland. I just, I, it needs to be said. That is all. I want my mortgage to be paid off too, but... <laughs> You know, yes. So then you just got to keep working at it, Dave. Yeah, I know. One day it will be. Yeah, I know. But (laughs) it's, yeah. It's not not impossible. It's it's possible. And and I don't take this from me. Okay. So next question comes from Dimad to his handle is play est est underscore four two four seven. And his question is for you, Dave says i've asked this before but i'd like to hear dave's take he doesn't want to hear hear my take i only i only tune into this podcast for dia so i don't know (laughs) what kj's great he he does spaces a lot i get on spaces with him a lot he's we'll do spaces more Um, i think let's do spaces more as the year close out and stuff i really want to do it it's just finding the time is is difficult honestly but yeah i love that format and and we're, we're going to do this folks so bear with us so his question is, what is the best case scenario in free agency? If everything goes exactly to Joe Cronin's plan, what are signings this summer? What the F is the plan? I mean, that, I'm not sure there is a plan, you know, and this is what we just said. Uh, but here's the ideal. Let's, I'm going to assume that means what's the most sparkliest thing that can happen. Okay. Damian Lillard comes back 100% and you know he's 100%. Anthony Simon fits seamlessly uh, beside him and is re-signed at a reasonable contract. Then Yusuf Nurkic also comes in uh, at also a reasonable contract, leaving some space. You pick up Josh Hart's option because he's too valuable to lose. Justice Winslow also continues to prosper, and Nasir Little comes back healthy. Now you got a core of like seven people. Everything else is negotiable, and you have some cap space to negotiate it. Big holes there. Uh, power forward, backup center, 
a big men are a little bit cheaper in today's NBA than they were, say, 20 years ago. So you use some of that cap space to bolster your rotation, and you make it a rotation of nine or 10 or so. Uh, also, you got your springy deep bench players, you got your Watfords, and you've got your Browns, and you continue to develop them. And it looks pretty easy, especially since now you're also in the scenario of idealness getting two wonderful lottery picks that also, uh, you know, you can use probably at a forward position. But hey, if you get your third guard that way, and that's a lottery pick guard that can come in right away and play behind Damon Ant and fill in, there you go. You get Maybe you get your starting forward that way. Let's say they get a top three pick. Okay, there's your starting power forward. And also you use your mid-level lottery pick to get a good uh, two-way guard. Uh, and there you go. You're, you're set. There's the ideal. And again, the free agency part of that is modest. Backup center, some kind of power forward, veteran probably. There you go. You're, you're good to go. But that's if everything breaks ideally. Yeah, it's a good answer, Dave. If you think, though, that some of those things are not going to work and you're going to make up for it with a free agent, that is not happening. <laughs> I love this podcast. So I'm not going to respond because this was this was your question, and I think you answered it great and better than I could have. The next question is from these. Now these were going over to Instagram. I had some people message me on Instagram. This is from Big John NEP. He, the, now this guy he actually works with the team. I believe he's a freelancer, but he does stuff with. Um, like the slow motion replays and highlights packages and things like that. So he he's familiar. Big John, I want a slow motion replay of Dia drinking that pop right after she says she doesn't <laughs> let her kids go. We need to see that again. We need a coach's <laughs> challenge on that one. Don't most parents do things they don't let their kids do? Depends. Actually, I don't know because I'm past that phase. I get it. But my children are basically mini adults at this point. So when my kids are teenagers, if they want to drink pop, that's on them. Okay. But when they're little kids, you need, uh, I swear, you need to send them to Camp Dave at that point. It's not happening, we, Dave. We, we've got video games. We've got a <laughs> no mini fridge, mini, mini fridge full of pop. I mean, they will come back and they will say, you know what? Camp Dave is really awesome. And why did it take so long for us to discover these things? And my children will go, oh, children, let me teach you wise things about D&D &D and arcade games and yep, nope, consoles. Yep, no, not happening. But this is a fun one. How is it possible that you haven't had Big John on as a guest? Rip City demands it. So I, I wanted to answer this one specifically because I've had several people reach out and ask to be on the podcast and ask if we do guests and things. And we've never done this. This is the, from the start, from the get-go. That was never really our intention. We just decided it was going to be us and our opinions. And that's kind of what we stuck to. So I, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know if we'll do that at some point, but I just, I wanted to take this opportunity since this was such a fun question and just say like, if we're not asking you to be on the podcast, it's nothing personal. <laughs> it's just that that's just hasn't been our thing. That's not what we do. It's just, we just, we apparently like the sound of our voices enough that we don't want to share this time. <laughs> well, I mean, and we might do that at some point, but we'll probably do it as some kind of, uh, I don't want to say contest, but I have thought of, well, donate big to next year's Blazers Edge Night, and uh, biggest donator gets to come on and kind of help run the show or be the third person for a week and ask us whatever questions and offer whatever opinions they want or something like that. We might do something like that in the future. There's no big plans, but if we kind of break that precedent, it'll probably be for a super strong reason. Yeah, we. so it's it's a... it's. 
we there's a lot of shows and like Danny Danny does this you know he has guests he just dropped an interview with with Anthony Simons they they inter, they do some interviews and things like that I know there's a lot of other podcasts that do yeah Church of Roy I mean they they yeah. do a couple and then sometimes three uh, but yeah so yeah. and you might see look uh, we have three podcasts going at Blazers Edge right now uh, plus our Blazers Edge radio every Tuesday so that's really four uh, days a week that has have an audio component it, it wouldn't be surprising at some point if we just do an audio wing of be and that's not to say that we're not going to write we are we'll always write and we'll always bring you news and stuff like that but we're not that far from a daily radio show at this point or a version thereof <laughs> so if that happens and we expand our offerings probably the next show we do would be more interactive but for right now, it's easier time-wise for the commitment that everybody has to just do a pre-formatted, pre-planned, you know, uh, couple of people who can get together. And that's the other thing. You want to come on with us, you got to deal with our wacky lives. Because <laughs> Dee and I can go anywhere True. from, it's the only the only place I've got that is 4 p.m. this afternoon. Can you be there? Yeah, I'll be there. Or, you know what? There's a game and I have 92 children and the cats are sick and whatever. So we have to record it precisely 1.36 a.m. See you then. Yeah, so, it gets weird. It I'm not sure that sometimes. you can deal with that. So, oh, prospective um, guests. Yeah. And just also on this note, because of who this is coming from, huge shout out to all the people that work with this team. I'm constantly amazed at the quality of, of people that work within this organization. I've been fortunate enough to build relationships with a lot of people within, within the Blazers community. I'm sure Dave, you have as well. Part of the reason for that is because they are so personable and they are so interactive and they are really active online and things like that. And so you kind of get to know not only the team, not only the coaches, but the people behind you know, that make the, the team work and then make everything run. And that's really cool part of this fandom. I don't know that that's true of all the teams, but I know that with this one, um, we have really, really wonderful people that seem to come out of this franchise. So shout out to all of you. It's actually a little strange. I will tell you, I think this is evolving and I don't think it's just in Blazer circles, by the way, that honestly, the middle ground is disappearing. You've got an increasingly inaccessible upper level of many franchises, including ownership, which is becoming less accessible, I think, in many places, and including upper, upper management. And then you don't have as many mid-level people, and you do have an increasingly uh, hustle-based kind of workforce that is mirroring, I, we had this discussion on Blazer's Edge today a little bit, that is mirroring what's happening out there in the rest of the economy. Uh, and the one of the advantage of advantages of that workforce that's becoming more diversified but also less middle groundish in the hierarchy is it's much more accessible i mean it, people are one of us one of everybody you know so i i think there are good things and bad things to that i think there are severe cautions to it but i think in some ways teams are becoming more accessible at certain levels even as they're becoming less accessible at some others yeah, but big shout out to to the Trailblazers staff and franchise. Y'all are some some good, kind people for the most part. Everybody I've had for the most has been part. Great. Well, I mean, <laughs> like I there's got, someone working in a, well, some were, office somewhere. I think, I think we've gotten rid of most of them now. But as far as the ones I've come in contact with, they've been grade A, wonderful human beings. Yes, we got we we 
we'll just leave it back. Yeah, let's leave it. Back. Sometimes I my brain struggles to put because it's all one word. I struggle to like put the so it's M R Y O E L I U S. I don't know how that's pronounced. Joe. Yeah, Joe. You know this person? No. Oh, you're making a joke. <laughs> it, it takes her a minute. That's what happens when you don't have enough pop in video games. You oh, don't get jokes. It's um. They said, "Can I gauge the rainbows and unicorns? Are we going to win this conference? Are we going to win the conference with this team?" Dia, he's out. This one's for me. I no, no, we're not. The unicorns are great. They're healthy, but they're also a little realistic. They're enjoying. <laughs> they're enjoying the team. As it stands, I think this is a really fun team to watch. I think they're going to do a lot of fun things over the next couple months here. I do not think that they are probably going to win the Western Conference. I mean, defend, define win the Western Conference. Are they going to overtake Phoenix and Golden State for a regular season? No, it's impossible. But can yeah. they emerge from the Western Conference as the finals representative? Technically, still possible. So, yeah. I mean... It is. But also, folks, you got to understand that unicorns are not based on success. You can't predefine your definition of success and <laughs> no. then have unicorns. It's unicorns find fun. success where they can where they can get it. Yeah. This 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 team right now is is a unicorn team. <laughs> it's a, they are fun to watch. It, it brings, you know, kind of that joy back to watching the team struggle. Um, it, it not, that came out wrong. We don't have yeah, because it actually did. You, you're right though. That's perfect. <laughs> it sucked to watch them struggle early yeah. the way they were struggling. Yeah. Now, like, obviously now they're not struggling, they're winning, but even their mistakes are fun. So, Hey, yeah. yep. Okay. This, you know what is... it is, Dia? Sorry. It, uh, it's the difference between watching a kindergartner struggle with math and watching a high schooler struggle with math. Like the kindergartner, you go, that's cute. And we can help you in two plus two. The high schooler still struggling with the same concept. You're going, mm. you're supposed to know this by now, right? No, because we're winning. Right, it's right. Different. I get it. But I mean, but no, but this is, I'm not talking about the winning. I'm talking about the struggles, right? And this is literally the difference now. This is the mind shift, mindset shift is that when you have Damian Lillard, CJ McCullough, Yusuf Nurkic, you traded away picks to get Larry Nance and Robert Covington. It's like, you, you're supposed to be producing now. And you're not producing, and that's super frustrating. With the team they have now, it's like, well, whether you produce or not, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be interesting to watch you grow. And so it's almost like the team has already reset back a little bit to a, a different and earlier set of expectations, even though they aren't all the way built that way yet. Okay, this last one, I think this is going to be the last one for today, comes from... Ah, burn them all. It's okay. Well... I think this is going to be the last one. Yes, ma'am. She's getting this increasingly, one, you need to drink more pop. She's getting there's, more. Well, there's a couple that I just don't feel like we need to get into. So, I mean, I'm always grateful for all the suggestions and all the questions, but there were a couple that I think were kind of submitted as jokes. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Got it. Don't need to be. Right. So this is from Habib underscore low. Probably Habib, it, I'm guessing. but Probably. You're mm -hmm. probably right. Are you, I, I don't do well at reading handles like that my brain just struggles to put together even like a normal name i will read and i will mispronounce it as i'm reading it in a handle if it's pushed up against another word it's my brain doesn't like it but dia is a savant in that i i've noticed this about you and it's just absolutely brilliant the things that you do you do a hundred percent and it's spectacular but if you don't do something you don't do something you know it's just like yeah <laughs> 
You know, like this is this is not in my subset yeah, of things true. that I do. End of story. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. wow, nice. It's like all or nothing, binary, and uh, yeah, it's actually quite refreshing. I don't. I'm very much an all or nothing kind of person. Yeah. I don't. I don't like. I don't like being so so at things. If I'm not really good at it, or I'm not in a position to work to be really good at it, I just won't do it. Which is re- reading Twitter handles and Instagram names handles. is not um, not in the skill set. No, nope, just if I I'm actually this is a kind of a side note, and then I'll come back to this question. But I'm a little I'm going to Blazers Edge night next month. I I get to be that. Maybe we should come back to this. Let's come back to this. All I'm right. going to come back to this because it has to do with Twitter handles. So remind me. Okay. okay. But I think we should end on that note. Okay, so this is from Habib underscore low. We just turned um, into a cul-de-sac and turned right back out and got on the street. We're it's coming like back. We're the coming back GPS, to that. The we're coming back to that. GPS is we're like going, back. make legal U-turn. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, this is this is great. Or not great, but it's interesting. I sorry. Look, <laughs> I I had to go somewhere. And so I was in my driveway and I plugged the address into the GPS, right? I backed out of my driveway, backed out of my driveway. It's all I did. And the GPS says, recalculating, recalculating. route. <laughs> I'm like, what route did you plan that did not require me to back out of my driveway? This is like, I'm getting trailblazers management flashbacks here. Oh. It's like, I don't understand what you're doing. That's the worst. Or like, there was one time where I ended up literally in the middle of nowhere, there was nothing. And it's like, you've reached your destination. I'm like, really? Because... <laughs> No, I said street, not court. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so going back to the question, are you excited about Drew Eubanks? Also, take care of him. So I think that this is coming from a non-Blazer fan. I wanted to ask this question simply because I love this aspect of fandom. I love that we pass players back and forth and we're like, take care of him. Be good to him. We did this with Gary Trent Jr. with the Raptors. We did this with Norman Powell with the Clippers. You know, we send them one that that we love. They send one back that we love. And we're all just like, you know, loving each other's players. And I love that. I love that. I love when there's fan favorites and when they go to a new team, those fans are like, we really love this player. We hope you'll really love them too. I just... There is something about that that I love. So Drew Eubanks, I'm excited about. I think it's, you know, he he's he's got some history in Portland. So, you know, a hometown, hometown kid, I think that's always cool. You know, having a little bit of height will be nice. He adds some of that in there. I think this is a good move. I think it's somebody who, you know, was a a reasonable contract that'll be a, a worker for us, at least for now. And I think, you know, with that hometown thing, he's probably going to become a favorite pretty quick. Fans like that. Better be quick. quick. He's on a 10-day contract. So, I mean, it's <laughs> he has 10 days. Yeah, to, but yeah. some of those are sticking. Well, I mean, he some can get a second sticking. one. And yet, no, I get it. This entire thing. Yes, I'm glad that the Blazers have Drew Eubanks. I will root for him. Love the hometown connection, all that. So short answer to your questions right there. I, I live alone now, which means I'm responsible for cleaning everything which used to be a shared responsibility. So I'm figuring out how to do all this stuff, right? And so I heard that you can really figure out if your kitchen is clean if you shine a black light around it, turn off all the lights. Why would you ever want to know? Okay, yeah, no, this is the voice of wisdom, Dia. You are correct. No, you don't want to know. But it's too late now. Ignorance is bliss, Dave. Ignorance is bliss. So look, (laughs) when the regular lights are on, 
that stove and the black backsplash behind no, it and stuff looks no, really clean. No. When you turn that light off and and turn the black light on, it you're going, like "Oh my gosh, drop that thing." Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> like you're like looking up degreasers and how to they're Who like gave you this take, advice. Take baking soda and a jackhammer and very soon your stove will be like new and it's like, "Yeah." So Do not let that person give you advice no, anymore. No, I, I, no, 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 no more. No more black light. I've I've <laughs> covered it black up. Black lights. I, I the would, only the only thing black lights are good for is cosmic bowling. Well, cosmic bowling and growing things that are legal in Oregon now and not in Idaho, where I am. But anyway, uh, so like, okay, this entire Blazer situation right now with all questions like this, basically, we're, we're keeping the lights on. We're going, yay, Drew Eubanks. It'd be great. It's great to have him here. Fantastic. Love it. Nothing wrong with that signing. Rest of the season's going to be good. It's going to be fun to watch, whatever. If you want to dig deep into this, if we have to turn out the light and shine the black light on this franchise and their situation right now, you're going to need a lot of baking soda and vinegar. So I've with my response to all this stuff is it's not likely to matter ultimately one way or another. So take the good version of it and enjoy it. And I will certainly do that with Eubanks and, and Hart and everybody else who's here. And then let's see what sticks uh, for next season, see the direction they're going. And then again, we'll be able to give more cogent answers. Here's the long story short. There is no answer right now that's going to change their situation. There isn't. There's not a way from A to B right now. We have to see what avenues open up and what they do with them before we can even decide if that road is open or whether we need to uh, reprogram this GPS and pick a different destination. We ended up in a field. In a Not field. at a destination. That's right. So um, do you have a story at the end of that about whatever it was? Yeah. So so to kind of end this on a on a high note, first of all, that was fun. I I always kind of like doing these. It's kind of a fun, different thing to do. So I appreciate people submitting their questions and and you know, kind of being a part of this. So thank you. So Blazers Edge Night we're doing in March. I'm really excited about it. I'm coming up for the game. I think I have friends that are going to come up and meet me up there that I don't get to see very often. So I'm excited about that. It's going to be fun. I haven't been to a game since the Moda Center has been the Moda Center. I've only been to the Staple. Like I've watched games down here. I don't watch them up there. So this will be my first time there. So I'm pretty excited about that. And one of the things that I'm excited about is, you know, over the last few years, I've developed these kind of like online friendships with people in Rip City on Twitter because we interact so much and there's people that I feel like I regularly interact with. So one of the things that I'm excited about is getting to kind of meet people at the game, you know, people that I've had interaction with on Twitter and, and on Blazer's Edge and things like that. But I have this like slight fear because when you're interacting on Twitter, like you're looking at their, it drives me crazy when people change their picture, their <laughs> avatar, because I'm like, wait, who is this? Because I don't recognize them anymore. Or if they change their name, because you know you can change your the name on there, but not the handle. Or if they change their name, then I don't know who they are anymore. And then and then their handle, like in my mind, I associate those three things together, but I never actually read and pronounce the handles. I just like recognize what the series of work of letters is. So like if I'm meeting somebody in person and they're like, oh yeah, you know, my Twitter, like I don't, first of all, I don't know. Do you introduce yourself by your Twitter handle? I don't know if you don't use your name online, but like, I'm not going to know who anyone is because people use weird avatars. They don't always use their face. They don't always use their name. 
and I won't know how to pronounce their Twitter handle because I just see it as a series of letters that I recognize. <laughs> if you come say hello at Blazer's Edge Night, it is required <laughs> to wear your tr- Twitter handle on a t-shirt and get a round cutout of your AVI and stick it on your face. And there you go. Then you can meet you're gonna ha- At the least, you're going to have to pull up your Twitter profile so I can look at it and recognize. Oh, okay. Now I know who I'm talking. Like, and it's such a... It's such a weird thing as I'm thinking about it because I really, truly, like, I know who people are. I interact with them regularly, but in real life, I don't think I'm going to. And that make that gives me anxiety because I never want to, I never want to be rude or like come across. So to all of you, (laughs) just please be aware of this. I'm terrible with this kind of stuff. And I have slights. Like, I love people. I love social situations, but I also get a little anxious about it. And so the combination of that versus the Twitter avatar thing, I, I like your idea, Dave. I just wear it on your shirt. <laughs> Dia's a little bit of a rookie at this. We can tell. It's, it's actually, it's much more normal than that. And people, uh, I've never met anyone who isn't absolutely gracious Never met anybody. And it's funny because it is, there's this weird dichotomy. Someone will come up and shake your hand and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, you know, whatever their name is. And you'll go, oh, hi, you know, hi, I guess. And then they'll say, well, I'm this person on the site. And it's like, oh, you. (laughs) Like, okay. Then it's like your brain engages and things flood in and you have the information. And it's funny because absolutely no one looks like you would imagine them. Like, because personalities come across and you're thinking, this guy's 42 feet long with a beard and a battle axe, you know, and all this. And it's like, (laughs) no, it's just, uh, hi, I'm, I'm actually an accountant in real life, but you know, and it's like, but it's, it's a wonderful experience, you know, uh, something I look forward to uh, every year. Couldn't do it last year. So it's, it'll be great this year. And I think for me too, like that's of everything we do, this is my favorite part of it is the community. My, the community is my favorite, favorite part. And I've, I've mentioned this before. I've talked about it before. Uh, the majority of my real life friendships, especially the good ones, have come from Twitter. Like the people that I now know in real life, I have met from Twitter. The people, I have group chats with girls in Portland that are Blazer fans that I've never met in real life, but I know the details of their life because we're in group chats and from Twitter. Like it's, it's, the community around both Twitter and Blazer's Edge with Blazer fandom is so cool. And it's especially for someone like me who lives down in LA, um, away from the team. I'm not able to go to all the games and be a part of all the things that are happening in the Rip City community where it is. It's a really cool way for me to get to be a part of that. So I'm really excited, even if I don't meet anybody. Like just getting to be there, getting to be, well, you, Dave, obviously, but see, see, Dave and I have never met in real life. And I forget that because we do this week after week, after week, after week, like Dave could be 12 feet tall. I'm six foot two. Right. I know. And the shock, the shock (laughs) for you is like, but I'll tell you what, I have this weird parallax when it comes to people's height. I perceive people as tall as their personality is. Yeah. Like I know. There, there's a person in my association who's just a pain, just not not anyone I'd ever want to. And they're actually tall, but to me, they seem very short. Yeah. But I've known many people, and and this is I swear this will be true to, for you too. That <laughs> in my mind, you're like you know seven two, 
So it's like when I mean, when we I meet each other, you wear big shoes. There won't be a, there there won't be an actual height difference that matters. So, <laughs> but yeah, and you know, uh, I, about the community thing though, as we close, it, you're right. It's the only thing that endures, and it's really the only thing that matters. I mean, if you think about, I started Laser's Edge. I mean, Casey Holdall was here for six months before me, but I mean, the site had gone dark basically at, at that point, and I picked it up. When I started it, zero players are left from that era, zero executives, zero owners. And I'm not sure that I know anyone in the organization who is left from that time. I don't know when Mark Mason came on board, but he would be about the only one who's been with the organization that whole time. And I don't think even he has. So, I mean, if there's somebody, they're buried deep in an office that we've never talked. None of that matters. None of that enters. But also, thoughts, opinions analysis. Sometimes it's right. Sometimes it's wrong. Uh, and also the situation is always fluid and changing so that yesterday's piece of analysis is not good next week. None of that endures. But what does endure is the discussion. And it may not be among the same people. We do have people who've been here with me since before I came to Blazer's Edge. We have plenty of people who are original Blazer's Edgers, uh, who grew up and you know debating Jared Bayless versus Sergio Rodriguez, you know? But even if a lot of those people have gone, and we've been through five or six generations now, the discussion is still vital, and it's still uh, community, and it's still that's that's the thing that matters. Okay, so don't ever let go of that. Is my piece of advice. No matter how big you get, that's the only thing that's ultimately going to tell the story of what all this is about. Yeah, and it's just really a beautiful thing, and I think that you know, at the end of the day, that's why we do it. And so I'm, I think this is really, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. This is a good way to end the podcast that was driven by this community and and by their, their interaction and response. So yeah. All right. Well, we will see you again next week with a few more games to talk about. Oh, you know, we didn't talk about really, really quick Memphis. There was one game Blazers won. In Wait, did we've gone like an hour and a half day. I know, no, no, we're not going to talk about it. I just want to remind you because oh. <laughs> guess yeah. what? Yeah, first of all, yay. And guess what? <laughs> Who said they were going to lose? Who said they were going to lose? Oh, I was, she I'm, went I am, I am happy to be wrong about that. And who said they were going to win? And I said two points. I you should've... said they were going to win because I, I said they were going to lose. I should have said four points. But see, I knew as soon as you said they were going to lose that they were going to win. See, this is, I've, I've got to read on this team and what, what makes things work. So Blazers were technically, we can mark down another undefeated week. That's two in a row. Yeah. Two undefeated yeah. weeks in a row. Now, Blazers play the Warriors the night people will hear this. So, I mean, I'm not hopeful for another undefeated week. But so far, the streak I mean, is two undefeated weeks in a row. We're going to take that. For Dia Miller, I'm Dave Deckard. Uh, good luck versus the Warriors. And let's see what happens next week. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop, but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave sends her an alley-oop. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.